There is a place in Spain where people walk 15 to 20 miles a day, day after day after day. And as they're walking, they're carrying a backpack with all their clothes and their personal belongings to stay in places where they will spend the night. And the most popular of these routes begins in France, and it takes five weeks of walking, day after day, 15 to 20 miles a day, to complete. Five years ago, I did a portion of that route. I did 11 days of it. I remember beautiful landscapes. I remember sore feet. I remember meeting many interesting people with interesting stories. One of them is a man named Andre, who became a bit of a mini-celebrity on this walk. Andre stood at six foot five, and he walked the whole time with a dog. And in fact, he was from the Czech Republic, and he started his walk in the Czech Republic. So he had walked for months, sometimes sleeping outside. And there was, and as you're doing this walk, you see people, you talk to them, and you kind of walk at different paces. Sometimes you're with these people, sometimes you're with other people. But it, there was an hour's worth of walking where it was just Andre and I. And we began to talk, and I got a little bit of his story. And he had been a successful professional. He had his own condo in Prague. Um, he had an active social life. He had a girlfriend that he liked a lot. But then he began to ask these big questions. Is this all there is to life? Is there more to life? And so he decided he was going to keep walking until he found the meaning of life. And interestingly, because he knew I was a priest, now he himself wasn't sure about God. He did go, before he began his walk, he went to a priest in Prague who had been a hero when the communists were there. He had resisted the communists, he had suffered greatly. And he was very grateful. The priest blessed him and his dog as they began their journey. Now, Andre wasn't ready to see it yet, but the meaning of life was right in front of him. This walk is called the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James. And it is directed towards a place called Santiago de Compostela, which is a city named for this saint. And you know, this was one of the apostles of Jesus. This is the brother of John. This is the first apostle who gave his life as a martyr. And in this cathedral in Santiago de Compostela are the bones of St. James. And this is the whole purpose of the walk. This is why the walk started. Right? And so Andre wasn't ready yet to see it, but the meaning of life was right in front of him that we are on a journey to God. In our first reading, we encounter Elijah, and he's having one of the worst days of his life. <laughs> he's exhausted. He's discouraged. He, not long before that, had a great victory. He had called down fire from heaven, and God sent fire from heaven, and the Israelites began to believe again in the one true God, and he thought that was it. He was done. But then, this evil queen named Jezebel sent her henchmen to try to kill him, and so he had been running for his life. And he just wants to give up. And this is when he, the angel says to him, 
Eat. Eat. Or else the journey will be too long for you. And so he is given this special bread called a hearth cake and a jug of water. And strengthened by that food, he journeyed for many days and nights to the mountain of the Lord. And that must have been some kind of special food, right? That it gave him the energy and the fuel to walk day after day, night after night. And we have also in the Old Testament other kinds of interesting bread-like foods that are supernatural, not like ordinary food. And all of these are signs or types pointing to the Eucharist. Jesus, remember, he multiplies these loaves and fish, so he feeds thousands. And the people want to make him a king, and they're thinking, imagine, he has the power to basically make food from nothing. Right? That's such a great power. We can, we'd have unlimited resources. We can rule the world. But Jesus redirects their attention to himself as a source of a higher kind of life. He says, I am the bread of life. And he comes to us through the Eucharist to nourish our souls and to give us strength for the journey. St. Augustine said that when we eat ordinary food, think of your favorite food. Maybe it's pizza or macaroni and cheese. I know a lot of you are, that's kind of where you're at in your dietary preferences right now. Your parents are probably frustrated. There's a lot of other foods they would like you to eat, like broccoli or something like that, right? So, but in any event, think of your favorite food. Okay, when you eat it, your body breaks it down and processes it and extracts nutrients and energy, and um, it becomes more of you. And as we get older, many of us struggle that that food becomes too much more of us, right? But St. Augustine said, with the Eucharist, it's a different kind of food. For when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, we become more of him. We become more like him. So the life of Christ given to us in baptism is nourished in the Eucharist. And so what does this, what kind of energy or fuel, what does this enable us to do? To be loving and courageous and kind and self-control. But to fully receive the benefits of this supernatural food, we need to do other things as well. Jesus one time spoke of God's word as food on which we should live. And so we have to be people of prayer, daily prayer, and of scripture. People often find Mass boring because they don't have much of an interior life. They're, they're not comfortable being quiet, deeply reflecting. It's all this distraction, all these things external to them. So we need to develop this interior sense so that we can really perceive what God is offering us in the Mass. It was true for me when I was a teenager. Mass was the most boring thing in the world. A few years later, I was going to Mass almost every day. And the Mass didn't change, but I had changed. And I remember in those, really almost the first few years of this, that I, I looked forward to going to Mass so much, you know. And if people were singing at Mass, I was singing at Mass. Maybe it wasn't the best singing. But from the beginning, I was singing, I was listening to the readings, hearing God speak to me in the readings. And all, of the, all that we do in Mass is really leading us, though, to the Eucharist. First, as the priest is offering the one sacrifice of Christ, is making it present, but then when we come to receive communion. There's a problem, though, sometimes when we, you know, we receive something, we do anything, we do anything, we do it over and over, it kind of loses its specialness, right? It's kind of a 
danger of seeing it as routine. There's a prayer some priests say, Lord, help me to celebrate this Mass as if it was my first Mass, my last Mass, my only Mass. And we should all ask God for that grace. Now, even when, and in every relationship of love, there are times where the feelings just aren't there. And so there are times when we want to do the right thing because it is the right thing, to have a sense of duty. And this is one of the reasons why the church says it is an obligation to go to Mass on Sundays and Holy Days. And to understand that better, we have to see it as a, a duty of gratitude. For what happened? Christ offers his life to give us eternal life. And you know what he did right before that? He asked us to do one thing. What does he do? He takes the bread, says, this is my body given for you. The chalice filled with the wine. He says, this is my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And then what does he say? Do this in memory of me. And that's why we're obliged in gratitude to go to Mass every week. Children, you've been preparing two years for this day, and I know you're looking forward to it. Do you think maybe someone else is looking forward to it more? Maybe your parents or grandparents, maybe? I don't know. Yes, maybe. I don't know. But I know for certain someone's been looking forward to this day more than you. And that is Jesus. Jesus has been desiring from all eternity to come to you in the Eucharist. God has loved you from all eternity. He could see the day that you'd be conceived in your mother's womb, the day you'd be born and baptized. He could see this day. And in communion, we are the closest to God that we can be while on earth. In the bread of life, we are given the strength to make our way to the mountain of God in different ways, walking day after day after day, and along the way, being transformed.